What's up, Agents for Life? It's a beautiful day. Thank you for being with me. Welcome to Podcast 133, Exactly What to Say, Part 2. Okay, this is from that book. If you remember from last week, I did uh, 12 of my favorites, um, and then I'm going to do, I think, about 12 more here. So this is some really good stuff. I'd rather not talk about my week. I'm not happy with it had two in a row. I really think it's the it's the uh, the market, I guess, or the economy. This not the economy. The uh, I think it's the time of year with graduation. But I've had a lot of people um, with sickness in their family and reschedules and no shows. And anyways, it's just been a mess um, to say the least. It's a lot of work for a little um, reward this week. But um, I know historically, because I can speak from a different perspective now, if I was brand new, I'd be like, this is it? This is how business is? And the answer is no. Um, when you have a good week, you'll see what I'm talking about. And they are there. there. You'll have many, many good weeks ahead if you haven't had very many. But I'm telling you, the good weeks are phenomenal. And um, they carry uh, a lot of the weight when you have a bad week. So as you gain perspective and time, you will be able to look back and you know have bad weeks like I'm having, like I had last week. And it's not over. I've still got more time left. But um, hasn't been great so far. So anyways, enough of that. I really want to get on some excellent training. And this is exactly what to say. So I'm t- these are little tidbits. If you missed last week, go back and listen. This is a little book that I got by the name of Phil M. Jones, um, is the author. And the name of the book is called Exactly What to Say. And these are just little things you can pepper into your presentation that change the dynamic. Now, people love to buy, but they never want to be sold. Nobody wants to be sold. Because I think there's a pride thing. I think there's like, you know, somebody sold me on this. It means that I cowered down, that I I wasn't smart, that I got snookered. And nobody wants that feeling, right? So, but we love buying. Because when you buy something, you're getting something that you want. You're getting something new. Um, In fact, America has a buying problem um, because we're all suffocating, right? We got our garages are full and our closets are full. We love buying, but we don't like being sold. So this book gives us little nuggets of things we can say to help them make an easy buying decision. Now, we're not talking about manipulation. We're not talking about being pushy or arm twisting or anything. Our number one job is to help them make an easy, clear decision they can feel good about. And the biggest way that we get in the way of doing that is by sharing all the knowledge we learned in the study course. You remember exam effects? You remember how boring it was? Yeah, right? (laughs) Let's be honest, it's boring. And I tell all my new agents, if you're new, you probably heard me say this on our interview call. It's a bit of a grind. It's boring, right? But it doesn't mean that's how we share in the appointment. So we got to make our product and our service a little more exciting. And that doesn't mean talk fast and talk high. But it means we, we have to connect with what they truly want. And it's all about us asking questions. Okay, They should do most of the talking. We should do most of the asking. The more we ask, the more we position ourselves as an expert. So here's some really great questions for us as agents. The number, the first one, this is my favorite. You've heard me talk about this over and over. Any of you who have listened to anything I've said, I was so happy to see this in the book. It almost brought a tear to my eye. 
and a quiver to my voice. <laughs> no, just kidding. So most people, this is it. This is the magic key phrase. Most people. And here's why. You've heard me talk about this. No one wants to be the first one. No one wants to be the one that's the experimental drug, right? Most people in your situation, and if you're a brand new agent, it doesn't matter, by the way, because we are talking about most people. If you're in your 70s, most people are not getting a term policy. If you're in your 30s, most people are not getting a whole life policy. If you're in your, um, you know, and so forth. Now, that doesn't mean everybody, but people like to know what everybody else does. Now, think about this. You are their only connection with a life insurance policy. They don't have a bunch of perspective. They haven't been on a tour going around interviewing and listening and weighing in and saying, okay, wow, I really like the vast majority of people, 70% or more doing this. They rely on you to let them know that because they don't know. All they know is what you've told them. It's a vacuum and it's you and it's them. So people like to know. So I use that phrase a lot, many, many times during my presentation. If there's a concern, Oh, would you like to know how most people handle that? I, I talk to people every day. Would you like to know how a lot of them handle that? Or what the answer is, what I give to them? Well, yeah, who's going to say no, right? Well, yeah, okay, great. Most people, because you're 70, or this is a very, very common one that I use this for, because you're 72, most people are not trying to pay off the whole mortgage at your age. It's just too expensive. But here's the good news, Mr. Jones, is you don't have to. Okay, most people, did you see how I did that? Most people, and they're like, oh, okay. Now, the norm is not paying off the mortgage. I just gave him a different way of looking at it. And then I proceed to tell how, how a $20,000, $40,000 policy can protect the mortgage rather than a $280,000 policy, which would cost him eight or $900 a month. Okay, most people love that phrase. Write that down, use it, use it all the time. It's fantastic. Even on your prospecting calls, if someone has a concern, well, and that's true. Most people feel the same way as you. That's very normal. But here's what we do, and blah, 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 blah. So people need to need to be made felt that, I don't know if I said that right, but they need to feel that they're not just an anomaly, that it's perfectly normal, and everybody, a lot of people that uh, in their same shoes are going through that same thing. And then here's the solution that we have for all those people, and it's the same solution for you. So, Okay. Number 15 on the list, this is the second one for our podcast today, but number 15 from the book is the good news. The good news, people love good news, right? And so when you're, when you're faced with a situation, um, look for the good news and start your answer with, well, the good news is, and then so forth. So the good news is, uh, here's an example they give, you already know what you're doing is not working, so what's the harm in trying this? Or... Um, the good news is we have dozens of people who were in the exact same situations when they first started and they have been gone on to become successful and you can too, et cetera, et cetera. So um, the good news is a good way to paraphrase an answer when there's a concern and letting them know. And this kind of ties in with most people, the good news. The good news is this and that. Um, people like to know that they fit into a category somewhere, and we're just describing and explaining what that is. So um, the next time somebody tells you a reason why they don't want to do something, respond with, that's great. I couldn't do it because of, when somebody says, I couldn't do it because of this, say, that's great, you've just found another way that it doesn't work. So and you're, just, you're just repositioning to a positive 
instead of joining them on their pity party in the negative. So anyways, that, I thought that was a great example. Number 16, here's the next one. What happens next? Okay, one of the big things that I've been doing on my appointments that I think works really well is describing the appointment to them. Here's how this is going to go. They don't know about the mortgage protection process. We need to tell them. So when I first start an appointment, Noel Hughes calls it setting the table. Okay, and I love that phrase, you're setting the table. You're explaining how this process is going to work. So periodically during the, the, the uh, appointment, you can also use the phrase, what happens next is blah, 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 blah. And so you're basically telling them without forcing them, you're just managing their expectations. So uh, you could say, for example, what happens next is I'm gonna ask you some health questions so I can see where you qualify. Is that okay? So I get their permission they say, well, sure. So now when I say, hey, have you ever had cancer? Have you ever had a DUI? Have you ever had a felony? Have you ever, and they're like, hey, you're getting kind of personal there. You prefaced it. You let them know, you, you eased into it with that transition phrase, what happens next, and then getting their permission so that they don't have any resistance because they said it's okay. Um, same thing if, you, you know, if you're having a hard time asking for bank account information or whatever, you can use the phrase, what happens next, to soften the blow so that it doesn't, doesn't come out of left field. And they're like, sticker shock, or like, whoa, what? We need, yeah, no. So what happens next is they're gonna go through this, and here's the application, and this is gonna be like that. So, all right, any questions? All right, let's jump in, right? So all I'm doing is setting the table, and I do it in a small way, periodically throughout the appointment. So I like that one a lot. Um, let's see, number, we did that one. Let's do the next one, 17. What makes you say that? Okay, now, this, this is phenomenal. I love this question because what it does is it calls out the smokescreen. Most of objections are smokescreens. We know this, right? Somebody doesn't have enough money, they don't want to look like they're too broke, so they'll say, we want to think about it. Well, think about it as the smokescreen. What's behind the smoke screen is what matters. We can fix most of their questions or concerns if we can get to the heart of why they're putting up the smoke screen. What is, you know, the Wizard of Oz reference, the man behind the curtain? Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, <laughs> right? He's just this little pipsqueak back there. And he comes across as this big Oz, the great and powerful Oz. And, you know, uh, a lot of our uh, the objections that they get that they give can be like that big you know Oz and we're like oh my gosh you know it's it's but when you turn back the curtain you're like oh that's it right so what makes you say that cuts through the smoke screen so you say you know what I just want to think about it okay yeah no problem well just out of curiosity what makes you say that okay and then stop and don't talk. It's important after some of these, many of these questions that you, you, you shut up, okay? You, you don't move your lips. And silence is good. Sometimes people want to process. Sometimes you get 20 seconds, 30 seconds. It feels like 10 minutes, by the way, of people like not sure how to answer. And there's a, there's a long pause. Long pauses are good, okay? In fact, in negotiation, they teach the next person to talk loses. So don't be the next person. Just wait. What makes you say that? let them tell you why they put that objection up. Or if they have, it, it can be anything. But what makes you say that forces them to peel back a layer and explain further 
and you'll get new stuff on the second one. You can use that for finding out their why. So why do you want this mortgage protection? Well, you know, I just want to make sure my family's okay if something happened to me. Oh, great. Well, now what makes you say that? Now I'm going to go one level deeper with that guy because now he's going to give me a deeper reason why that's important to him. Yes, it's important to protect your family, but why? We got to get to the emotional tug. You know, well, you know, I just couldn't bear the thought of being that guy that didn't take care of his family. I wouldn't want that reputation. You know, I don't know whatever the response is, but you can say what makes you say that in many different time, uh, areas of your presentation, especially with objections. So, um, okay, I love that one. Enough on that one. Uh, oh, here's an example. The customer says, I need to speak to somebody else before I make a decision about this. You can say, well, what makes you say that? So anyways, use that one, use it freely. It's free, nobody's gonna charge you for it, it's yours. Number 18, before you make up your mind. Before you make up your mind, that's the next phrase, okay. Um, when somebody hat is, and you can feel it during a presentation, when somebody's leaning toward a no, the best thing you can do, you're not going to get them to go from a no to a yes, but you can get them to go from a no to a maybe. And from a maybe, you can get them to go to a yes. So what this does is it reap, it gets them second guessing their, when they're about to go toward turning you down, it gets them second guessing that. Okay. That's what it does. So um, before you make up your mind, um, why don't we just run through the details one more time, blah, blah, blah. Before you make up your mind, let's just make sure that we've looked at all the facts. Before you make up your mind, wouldn't it make sense to speak for, to a few more people about the difference this could make in your fit? Whatever, okay? So when you sense that they're heading in one direction, you can use that phrase to turn them back into a bit of a maybe instead of a no, and then you're in a position to maybe turn them into a yes. Uh, doesn't work 100%. None of these work 100%. Nothing works 100%, but um, it's worth a shot. So, okay, number 19 is if I can blank, will you blank? Okay, so this is kind of the agreement thing. Um, if I can, you know, find a price that works in your budget, uh, will you go ahead with a policy, for example? Now, I wouldn't phrase it exactly that way, but that idea. So if I can do this, Will you do that? So it's kind of getting a pre-commitment to the, to the final commitment. All right, that's a simple one. Number 20 is the word enough. And listen to how they use it. Listen to how they suggest it. This is really cool. I like this one. Um, when uh, people are kind of on the fence about something, um, you use the word enough to position the offering uh, to, to help them make a decision on the offering that they can feel comfortable with. So, for example, um, let's, let's, let's the example they give here in the book is that you're in a grocery store and uh, somebody can't decide um, how many apples to buy. I don't know. It's, it, they're deciding between four and eight apples. And somebody came by and said, well, let me ask you this. Would eight apples be enough for you? See that? Would eight be enough? So I'm making it easy for them to say yes or no. Well, yeah, that'd be enough. Oh, well, no. So if you just say between four and eight, what works best? Well, I don't know, four, five, six, whatever. Well, would, would eight be enough? See, I'm helping them zero in on their decision. Would eight be enough? Would six be enough? Okay, so you feel like that would be good? All right, same thing with life insurance, right? Would 100,000, would that be enough? And it's kind of a nice way to let them off the hook 
of not getting a half a million or a million dollar policy, right? And again, it goes back to that pride thing. There's a pride thing in there that, you know, everyone wants to provide for their family. Every husband wants to be that guy. I mean, if they don't, then they're really not who we're looking for. But most everybody we talk to are decent human beings that want their family well taken care of. And if we have to back it off because of a budget, that's a little bit of a hit to the ego, right? And so a nice, easy way of saying that is, well, would, it, would 100000 do you think that would be enough for right now? And we can always look at more later. Yeah, I think that'd be enough. See, they're saying yeah to your question. And in their mind, they're technically not saying yeah to an application, but it's kind of in the middle. If they're saying yeah to that, then the next natural step is an application. And so it's easy. You've already taken them down the road a little bit, and now you just have to take them the rest of the way. Great. I'm going to go ahead and pull up an application. Let's see if we can get you approved. Could you grab your driver's license for me? And we'll get this started. That's it, right? So enough is a really good word in that phrase. Do you think 100000 would be enough for you or for your spouse or whatever? So anyways, enough of that one. Number 21, just one more thing. Okay, I remember Eric Valdez teaching about this when he did in-home appointments. He would get to the door, put his hand on the doorknob. Ah, just one more thing. And that's when he would ask for whatever, right? A referral, um, a, a retirement solutions referral. Uh, if they want to join the business as a prospect, they want to look at it as a for, for a prospecting, um, any of those things. So just one more thing. We can turn the just one more thing phrase into a debt-free for life referral right now or retire your, I'm sorry, I said it, uh, retire your debt referral, right? Or if uh, you know they told you about an annuity, a potential money in a, in a market for a potential annuity or whatever, just one more thing, just as, they're, as you're about to close up. So what that does, it basically tells them, okay, we're pretty much done, but I got one more thing. And anybody can, can deal with one more quick question, one more, as long as you're true to that, right? Don't do 10 more questions after you say just one more. But where this came from was this guy, I guess, who was a detective on a TV show, it was a crime drama years and years ago. His name was Columbo, and he was famous for doing this. He would get all the way to the end, and you would think the credits are gonna start rolling, and he would stop, and he would turn to the camera and say, ah, just one more thing. And it captures your attention and makes you go, oh, wait, this must be important, right? And, uh, and then he would proceed with whatever that is. So in insurance, we can pause at the end and say, oh, you know what, just one more thing before I let you go. And that's when you ask for blank. And you can insert it, whatever you want. You can insert, you know, asking for a referral, asking for um, a retirement solutions, a debt-free There's a number of things you can always ask one more thing from before or after, whether or not you make the sale or not. You can use that phrase. Do you know anybody else this would be good for? Okay, so this wasn't right for you, but who do you, just one more thing, who do you know that this would be good for? There's a great question to ask at the end of every no appointment that, that we're, we may or may not be doing. I know I could be doing better at that. So uh, number 22 is a favor. Um, a favor positions you from a, uh, puts you in a position of gratitude or uh, humility, right? So at the end of your appointment, if you've done a good job, they will say thank you. And that's an indication that they appreciate what you've done and they see you as an expert. And then they feel like they've gotten something for their time. So they'll say, thank you. Thank you for your time. Whether they bought a policy or not, regardless, thank you. Okay. So 
if the if they say that you're in a much better position to do this so if you've done a good job and you're getting thank yous then that's a good sign um, but when someone says thank you it gives you permission subconsciously it's the non-written rule right um, to be able to ask for a small favor at the end so here's what he says and this is a whole this is a whole um, string of, of comments and questions. And this is specifically for getting a referral. Um, you couldn't do me a small favor, could you? You see how he went the negative? You remember last podcast, positioning it from a negative. Everybody wants, to, oh, no, no, that'd be fine, right? Instead of saying, um, is this a good time? You say, did I catch you in the middle of something? Oh, no, no, it's fine. People always want to correct that when you approach assuming um, the worst. So. Um, you couldn't do me a small favor, could you? See, it's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, what, what do you need? Um, this gives you instant permission because they say yes, and they almost always do. Um, and then you say, you wouldn't happen to know, okay, just one person, someone, someone just like you that would benefit from this mortgage protection, refer your, retire your debt, whatever you're talking about. So let me read it again. You wouldn't happen to know just one person, someone who just like you would benefit from this. And then you put in your, your product or offer or whatever. So it's very simple. Just one person because it's reasonable, right? And it gives the person just someone just like you. That kind of paints the picture so they can think of somebody. Um, and then what he says is at that point, um, don't worry. I'm not looking for the details right now. But who was it that you were thinking of? And they can say a name or whatever. You couldn't do me a further favor, could you? Okay, sure, what's up? Next time you see that person, Steve or whoever it was, could you share a little bit with them about what, what it was like doing business with me? And if, if he perhaps is open-minded about taking a phone call from me to see if I can help him in the same way I can help you. So rephrase it as you will. I just read the script out of the book. And then he says, uh, would it be okay if I give you a call next week to find out how that chat went with Steve? Um, and then when you call, <laughs> you assume the negative. I'm guessing you didn't get around to speaking to Steve, did you? And let them correct you. Okay, anyways. So I like that, uh, that way of taking you down a very simple linear uh, process of asking for a referral or asking for whatever. You can fill in the blank there. And it all starts with a favor. Hey, would you mind doing me a favor? You wouldn't be able to do me a favor, would you? So... Um, there's that one. And then 23, I believe this is the last one. Yeah. 23 is just out of curiosity. I think I used this earlier. In fact, you can pair some of these up together. Um, when you are, um, chatting with somebody and let's see, what is it specifically you need some time to, so yeah, um, the same thing, they have an objection. I want to think about it, whatever. Just out of curiosity, what is it specifically you need some time to think about? You see, just out of curiosity softens it. If I were just to say, well, what is there to think about? And there's some agents that are that blunt. I'm not one of them, but I got to think about it. Well, think about what? Like that can come across as rude or overbearing, right? Or obnoxious. So putting the phrase just out of curiosity in there softens it so it's now polite. So yeah, no problem, just out of curiosity. What was it specifically that you need some time to think about? You see how that's not uh, overbearing, that's not gonna offend someone versus, and we all wanna say it, right? 
what in the bleep do you even need to think about? You don't have coverage. If you die, your family's in trouble. We're talking about $30 a month, and this is all an exact case that I just had last month or last week, right? And the guy said, no, I want to think about it. And I could not get him to change his mind. But some people are like that. So I just want to like scream and go, are you kidding me? Like, what is the problem here? And um, the nice way to curb that is, Oh, no problem. So just out of curiosity, what was it specifically? So adding that phrase just out of curiosity really helps with being a little bit more bold in what follows, the question that follows. So anyways, um, as agents, it is not our responsibility always to give them the answer, but it is our job to give them an answer. I thought that was a really interesting insight. Um, Sometimes the correct answer is a lot more cerebral and a way too much information and a confused buyer never buys. So we need to give them an answer and we need to serve it up in a way that they can understand. So we have to be careful of not going into insurance speak, not spouting all the things we learned in the study course. We just have to connect with them and let them know how this product solves their problem. So we got to know what their problem is and we do it by asking questions and using phrases and things that help draw that out. Not You can assume on every appointment they are not going to volunteer all the information to you. They might volunteer 10%. And it's our job to, to dig in deep enough to get the full truth, to pull back the curtain and see the little pipsqueak behind the curtain, the man called Oz, right? That's our job to peel back so that we can give them sound advice and accurate pricing and underwriting and so forth. And that's how we do our jobs. Guys, I love this book. I thank you for listening. I really hope that there's some good stuff in here that's helping you on your appointments to be better. The more we can position ourselves as, as experts, as advisors, genuinely trying to help the person we're talking to and not position ourselves as salespeople or telemarketers, the better success we're going to have. These are the things that set us apart. These are, the, these are the questions and the phrases that show the person we're talking to that we are genuine and that we truly care for them and really want to help solve their problem if it's possible. So thank you for listening. I, again, I hope this has helped. Put some of these into practice. Tape them on the wall. Use them. They're free of charge, okay? But they could make you lots and lots of money. Have a tremendously successful week. Get after it. Focus on your activity. Let the results happen on their own. I will talk to you next week.